Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Hollywood Behind Closed Doors with Frank McKay on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Frank McKay, but more importantly, our very special guest today is author, producer, columnist, does a little bit of everything over the years, including 18 years as co-producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, author Dave Berg. Dave, how are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing great, and, and I've heard nothing but great things about Behind the Curtain, your book. Is, well, it, is it your first book? Yes, and maybe my only book, although uh, my um, agent is trying to get me to do another one. Yeah, well, how did you, well, it, it it almost sounds like you answered that, but I was going to say, how how did you like the process of writing? I know you've done so much, uh, so much writing as far as columns, and you were the bureau chief, if I understand correctly, for CNBC, and so you, you've been a, around journalism your, your whole life, but how did you like the process of writing a book? Well, um, it, it was really painful. You, you sort of sweat bullets, and... Here's the thing, and you know this when you're in broadcasting, radio, and TV. It's really a collaborative process, especially in TV. Um, you're working with a director. You're working with props guys. You're working with um, with writers. You're working with guests. You're working with the host. You're working with a, a lot of people. Then all of a sudden, after this uh, life of working with people, here I am at home with four walls around me, and nobody's in the room, and I'm sitting there all day. And there's no deadline at the end of the day. I mean, was it tempting to, to just go about it the way you did your columns in the past? And, uh, you know, you've written for everyone from the uh, Huffington Post to, uh, I mean, you name it. Uh, you, you've written, you know, so many uh, columns and so much over the years. Was it tempting to just approach it that from that standpoint? And that's the only way I knew how to do it. I, it, it was, I, I was incapable of making a big plan on how to write the book. What should go in the book, right? I couldn't do it. I couldn't think that big. So I just thought, okay, um, I'm just going to write about Dennis Rodman because I have a funny story about Dennis. And I, that's how I started. And then it worked, and then it went from there. Well, how much energy was put into the idea of, well, I can't do this, or this one will get mad, or if, if I do this, this might be crossing the line? How much of your your uh, time was spent doing that? Well, the main line I didn't want to cross is any any line that would, would upset Jay Leno. Right. Because he, he's, he's the reason I wrote the book. I wanted to pay tribute to him. He wrote the forward for it. For it. So I didn't want to write anything that I knew might upset Jay. Yeah, well, that's a good place to start. I mean, you're, t you're talking about, well, first of all, he's supposed to be a great guy. I've never met him. I, I've got mutual friends with him, and everyone raves about him as being a great guy, but also a very powerful guy. <laughs> you know, and if you're writing a book based on your experiences with him, obviously you'd want you'd want to stay uh, on the right side of that. But uh, how, how easy was it to stay on the right side? 
pretty good because one, one of the reasons, he wasn't really big when I first approached him and told him, look, I just want to be honest with you. I want to write a book about our experiences at the show. Um, I thought I thought you brought a lot to the table. Your monologue really went way beyond what Johnny was doing. And his first reaction is, I'm not, I don't know if, I don't know if I, how I feel about this. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, so you're just going to write a book, you know, just fawning over me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. He, he didn't want me to do a book gushing about him. That was his big concern. Hmm. Well, it's, that's honorable of him to, to do that. And again, I've heard things like that about him, and that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. I'm going to remind folks that just may be tuning in or turning on their radios at this time that this is Frank McKay. But more importantly, Dave Berg, author Dave Berg, is, uh, is my very special guest, and he's been around uh, the business and around Hollywood for many years and has written a book that everyone is raving about, and that's uh, behind the curtain, and it's about his experiences as co-producer for 18 years with uh, Jay Leno's Tonight Show. And in, in so many ways, to me, Leno is a, a, a transitional figure. I mean, a major uh, celebrity, but he's he's really taking the 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 mantle of being from one generation to the other. When he took over the Tonight Show, it was it was a powerhouse beyond belief. If you did Jay Leno's Tonight Show, especially early on, you had a career for the next, you know, five years, 10 years. If you did Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, and it's simply because there were three networks, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, for the most part, there were three networks before uh, when Johnny Carson was at it. Uh, if you did Johnny Carson and you had a good, let's say, a stand-up routine on the Carson Show, you might have a career for 10 years because of that. Uh, so many people were watching it. Leno was transitional in in my mind between uh, Carson and and uh, the the modern age and that's when cable started coming in and all the you know all the the big time shows started cutting into the networks i mean do you did you ever look at it from a historical standpoint while you were going about it or did it just happen too fast i think when when you're doing it and you're in the moment you don't think about those the big picture thoughts that you just pointed out, but you're absolutely true. I think it's fair to say that we were transitional. We weren't Johnny Carson. He was a larger than larger than life guy, and as you pointed out, for most of his career, there were only three networks. There wasn't even a Fox network. Right. Just so we were dealing with that. And interestingly, when we went on the air, our biggest competitor was the memory of Johnny Carson, the legend of Johnny Carson. We kept, Jay kept being compared to Johnny, and which wasn't fair because he wasn't trying to be Johnny. And it, it got so, I don't want to say it got so bad, but it, it got so prevalent that at, after, after about a year, Jay said, you know what, we're going to have to move to another studio because we had started out actually doing the show from Johnny's old studio, Studio One in Burbank. Mm. And it's like we almost felt his presence. And of course, he was alive, right? I, I don't mean there was a ghost in sure. the studio, but we felt his presence in the studio. And it was overwhelming. So overwhelming, we had to move to another studio, even though the other studio was right across the hallway and had the same configuration, right? We could have just redone, done a remake on Johnny's studio, but no, we had to go to another place. Now, 
forgive my ignorance here, but did you have an overlap between the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Jay Leno? Were you involved with the Tonight Show with Johnny Johnny Carson? I wasn't involved in the Tonight Show, but I was a writer and a producer at NBC Network News in Burbank for 10 years. So I would witness Johnny driving in in his Corvette and walking down the hallway and and going to, it, it was like it was like witnessing the king. Yeah, I was just going to say that that if you were working at NBC in in Burbank and you were out there and and anybody anybody had to, uh, I guess, be up on what was going on with Johnny Carson or at least you know the inside dirt there. So you you know I'm sure you felt uh, felt his presence everywhere you went there, even before, especially before Jay Leno came there. I you know the. It's so unfair what you're saying that you guys were so compared to Johnny Carson, but of course you were going to be. I mean, there's no question that you were going to be. Uh, when you first got involved with Jay, did he realize that would be maybe the biggest problem that he had? Oh, I'm sure he did. I I'm sure he did. There were, uh, first of all, there were problems with the, the two the staff from Johnny's show and the new staff coming in. Jay's our original executive producer Helen Kushnick had, you know, had thoroughly offended Johnny and almost everybody on Johnny's staff. Yeah, um, and uh, they even wrote a book about it and did a movie about it, yeah. about Helen Kushnick. Um, so there was strife and tension between the two shows. Um, it, it, that period wasn't fun. How was the depiction of Helen? In the, you're talking about the Late Show was the the movie. It was an HBO movie, I believe, and it was about the the, the fight to get the Tonight Show uh, between uh, Jay Leno or the race to get the Tonight Show, I guess, right? Uh, between Letterman and and Leno, and uh, I, how was the depiction of of Helen? Was it accurate? Well, the actress who depicted Helen was Kathy Pate, <laughs> who's a terrific actress, and I'm a fan of Kathy's. However, she did such a good job of portraying Helen that to this day, whenever I see Kathy Bates, I wince and I go, "Oh my gosh, that's Helen." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's I, that was it was a terrific show, actually. I mean, movie, I should say. the The movie was terrific, and you know, I I don't know, you know, from an outsider standpoint, it was terrific. I don't know how you guys viewed it in general. Uh, is well, it was accurate. It was accurate. It was written by the, the, the great Bill Carter, um, a television writer for the New York Times. So uh, it, 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 it was it was right on. Now, your first interaction with Jay Leno, I, I, I assume it came well before you started with him at the Tonight Show. When was the first time you met Leno? The day that he hired me. <laughs> oh, no kidding! I thought you went back. First. Yeah. That was it. Now, I had seen him. Jay is a very open guy. So, uh, and you know, he was uh, Johnny's substitute host, um, a guest host for seven years. So you would see him, you know, wandering around the corridors or going going through the line at the NBC commissary. He went through the line just like everybody else. And, and so he was a familiar presence. It's just that I didn't know him personally. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's interesting. And, you, and your first impression of him when you sat and you were hired i mean obviously you you must have been you must have been thrilled were you expecting to be hired were you expecting a a longer process uh, what happened with your uh, your interview 
I was not expecting to be hired at all. What had happened is the reason I went in for the interview in the first place was that my wife was on the phone insisting that I go do it because NBC News had just let me go. They had just fired me. What was the, and, what was the reason for the firing, if you don't mind? Well, um, I had uh, I, I had been uh, had a very nice job as a producer at NBC Network News, and then I went from there to CNBC as their bureau chief, and I had some major differences with the way they were running CNBC at the time, and so I, I let's just crack it crack it up to what they call creative differences. Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, it happens. It happens to all of it. You wear it as a badge of honor, you know. And my wife said, well, you know, you need a job. Go down to the Tonight Show. Uh, they must be hiring. And I said, no, that's out of my league. You don't, you don't get it. That's where Johnny Carson used to work. And now the great Jay Leno. I, I can't do that. Hmm. And she was very persistent. Um, and I, I went down there, and it was the easiest. You know, I, I talked to Helen Kushnick, who, by the way, was very nice to me. And and two days later, I'm shaking Jay Leno's hand, uh, and the, uh, you know, I got the job. Amazing! Just it, whenever it, whenever I hear stories like this, it's you know, you gotta, I, you just gotta realize that the rest of us that are watching from the outside are in a whole different world. And if you're just tuning in once again, Frank McKay here, but more importantly, Dave Berg is uh, an author, wonderful book called Behind the Curtain, and it's about his experiences at, at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and uh, I, I think a, a very, very important time period in, in the history of entertainment. It, it, it no, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a, uh, a comparison that I could make anywhere in the history of television, and it's simply because so much more media came after that. So, you know, he was on the cusp, and you know, in many ways, Leno was the the leading figure on that on that cusp, uh, going from from the Carson era, and and you know the the three network era, to uh, you know to what turned into I mean hundreds of you know outlets for for media. So I mean, to me, it's a it's a wonderful time period. I mean, if you could put it in a time capsule, and you were kind of there, not kind of there, you were completely there as a as a witness to to history. Uh, your book, uh, how much of it is uh, celebrity-based and how much of it is, uh, you know, real insiders, uh, inside baseball when it comes to the entertainment? Who do you think most enjoys this book, the insiders or the, the fans? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think more the fan because, you know, first of all, I, I worked in the entertainment business for 18 years. I had a background as a serious journalist before that, but I did learn in, in entertainment that if, if you're not entertaining people, don't bother. It's a part of everything that we do. So uh, I like to say it's a fun read. There are a lot of really neat anecdotes. 
But thrown in there is some kind of good insider stuff. Well, would have to even incidentally, uh, just you talking about everything there. I mean, it would have to be fascinating to a to an insider. But I, it's you know, it's interesting. I mean, you have a, a resume a mile long, and it's uh, very very impressive. And uh, you know, even the, the CNBC at that moment, at that time, I mean, that was a, that was really on you know on the cusp also of uh, of of changing the way. And I don't mean them alone, but the, the cable news networks, and uh, you know, that's. Uh, that's you know a tremendous background to to go into something like Jay Leno and Jay Leno is uh, you know and again I'm speaking from from the outside looking in uh, Jay Leno and Johnny Carson and and you know the the gods of of entertainment um, uh, you know are, are really are, are really uh, some people that touch on a whole bu- bunch of different things I imagine your news background was helpful in this job. Well, it was, um, for me, it was essential because I didn't have a background in entertainment. That's why I felt I had no business going in and even applying for a job. My Rolodex wasn't full of contacts from Hollywood. I mean, I had worked at the Today Show for a while, and sometimes we used to have celebrities on, and I would work with them. But I didn't have extensive, I was more familiar with the political world. That's, that's my role as a writer and a producer at NBC News. So when I went to The Tonight Show, I came with the idea that, you know what, let's not just emphasize the, the people from Hollywood, the stable of guests that Johnny had. Let's expand it. Why don't we have presidential candidates and, and quarterbacks who, were, who won Super Bowls and incredible newsmakers? Um, and that was my emphasis. That was my push. And in the end, I think it, I think it worked out. I think it sort of helped us broaden the show a little bit. Who, with the exception of of who we're already talking about, yourself and Jay Leno, and and Helen, who was the the, the major force as far as content went? Who was the uh, either the chief writer or the most influential uh, writer there? And and. Uh, your producer, your uh, your co-producers. Who was, yeah. Who was uh, most influential there? Well, I, I, I would say two people were the, the most influential ones at The Tonight Show. Number one, Jay Leno, um, because he was basically the guy in charge of the comedy. He ran the monologue and the comedy. And, and when I say that, I mean he spent 24-7 on it. He would go through... Uh, 1,500 jokes a day and edit them down to 24. So they would be the number one. And then the second person would be Debbie Vickers, the executive producer who replaced Helen, Helen Kushnick. Um, she had a, a, an excellent way of working with Jay Leno um, that she was able to push him and, 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 and actually be very firm with him. Um, and she had a vision of what the show should be, and she never veered away from that vision. Uh, that vision. But interestingly, nobody knows who Debbie Vickers is. She, she never sought the limelight. Never, ever. And it's interesting, all throughout the period of The Tonight Show, you never saw her on any you know, top ten list, the most influential women in Hollywood. She never got on any of those lists because she never sought it out. Author Dave Berg and producer and columnist Dave Berg is our very special guest. We're thrilled to have him. This is Frank Hay, but more importantly, Dave Berg 
is nice enough to spend a few minutes here and we're talking about behind the curtains and it's his, uh, his wonderful book about the tonight show and his experience with Jay Leno. Uh, other than just saying, uh, you know, talent and, or intelligence, uh, what is it about Jay Leno that, that made him so successful? I think that, uh, it was that he was obsessed with work. He had an incredible, uh, work ethic, and that may just have to do with um, he his condition. I believe that Jay was uh, is is or was a ADHD. He was certainly dyslexic, and he just had a way of um, obsessing. You know, he would obsess on getting jokes for the monologue. Like I said earlier, he went to fifteen hundred a day, um, and he had a. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Go ahead. You and uh, he had a short attention span, maybe ten seconds. So, which was perfect for putting together a monologue and going through that many jokes, because he would go through and and he would he would lose he would he would lose interest in something after about ten seconds. So he'd go, okay, this joke works. Blah 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 blah. Ten seconds later, okay, that joke doesn't work. Um, and it worked. It worked very well for doing a comedy show such as we did. We're coming up on a break. Uh, Dave, do we have you for a second segment? Oh, sure. Dave Berg, the wonderful author and producer and columnist, uh, former bureau chief at NBC, uh, at CNBC, uh, for what, Los Angeles, Dave? Los Angeles Bureau, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's fascinating all in itself. But Frank McKay here with Dave Berg. We're coming right, right up on a break. And when we come back, more with Dave Berg and the title of the book, again, is Behind the Curtain. And uh, Dave, give us a quick website, if you don't mind. A quick what? Website or a social media site where people can kind of... Oh, oh. Um, actually, I'd be more interested uh, in my uh, my Twitter handle, uh, at, at Tonight Show Dave. Very good. So at Tonight Show Dave. Excellent. We'll be back more with Dave Berg right after this. Frank McKay, we'll be back. I'd like to welcome everyone back. But more importantly, again, my very special guest is author and former co-producer of Jay Leno's Tonight Show for 18 years, Dave Berg. Dave, welcome back. Thank you. Now, right before the break, I, I asked you, you know, what made Jay so successful in your mind? And you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the short attention span. Uh, was he OCD as well? No. No, no, he... He just had a, 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 a short attention span, and he was dyslexic, and I, I think ADHD or ADD. Yeah, and I mean all those different. I mean that was his lifeline with the with the jokes, and he knew it. And you you alluded to it earlier, but his his monologues were were so much more in depth than Johnny Carson. And and quite frankly, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure anyone would you know even though it's sacrilege to to compare but obviously Jay Leno was uh, was a better comedian better stand up comedian than Johnny Carson and it's you know i guess even unfair to compare the two but uh, Jay Leno's as good a comedian as there ever was in my mind uh, and i would have to second that and you know who else would would say that as well would be um the uh, comedians that uh, would be other stand-up comedians, such as David Letterman, um, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, they were all doing stand-up, starting out in stand-up right about the same time, and they all looked up to Jay as as the best of the lot. What do you 
feel or, or what could you share with us about the animosity or the perceived animosity between Letterman and Leno? I mean, uh, was it uh, just a natural rivalry? Was there more to it or was there much ado about nothing? Well, I don't think it was much to do about nothing, although the press certainly did make a, a <laughs> make make it into a major story. But I do think it was more one-sided. I think it was coming from David Letterman, who I think felt uh, resentful and hurt um, that uh, Jay got the job over him. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Jay went after the job, and, and Dave figured that he could just sit back and they would give him the job. And but I mean, but I mean that Jay went after the job. I, I, I mean that truly. He went around while he was guest hosting for Johnny Carson. He went around the country and visited every single NBC affiliate, uh, of which there are about two hundred, and went in, visited with the general manager, hung out in the newsroom, and said, "Whatever I can do to help you, anything you want me to shoot promos, whatever you need." I'm there to help you out. And he showed that he was a team player. Meanwhile, what was David Letterman doing? He was trashing NBC executives in his monologue. That's not the way to get a job. I, I mean, that's, a, that's, such a good, <laughs> that's such a good point. It's an obvious one, but it's an excellent point. And, I, you know, you, you talk about the strategy about going uh, affiliate to affiliate. I mean, that's, uh, that's wonderful. It's brilliant, and it's, it's very logical. Who was advising him at that point? Was it Helen? Helen was uh, pretty much uh, the, the main person advising him. Yes, and she was uh, she was a very good uh, I, she was a very good manager, which is what she was at the time. Not such a, not so good as an executive producer. How manageable or how advisable was? Uh, was Jay how open to advice was Jay? He was uh, he was a very good team player and is a good team player. And uh, there are many things that that he will say. Yeah, I wouldn't do it that way, but okay, I'll do it if you think that's what we need to do. I'll do it. Uh, that's the way he is on most things. On other things, he can be pretty adamant. Um, he can be pretty stubborn. Yeah, well, when you when you have that kind of cry, talk about your resume which is uh, excellent in your field but i mean uh, i challenge anybody to come with a better resume than jay leno i mean jay especially at this point jay leno is just uh, what a career you look back and it's uh, you know you got to put him in in there with the uh, you know with the gods of entertainment and uh, just a tremendous tremendous uh, career let me remind folks once again that i am speaking to dave berg he's the author of the book behind the curtain which is about his 18 years 18 plus years with jay leno on The Tonight Show as a co-producer, a uh, wonderful author and writer, former bureau chief of CNBC in Los Angeles, which, uh, again, we keep uh, we keep touching on that. I, I do want to ask you a little something about that. But let's let's talk modern modern day for a second. Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon getting The Tonight Show. Is that who you would have expected to uh, to take over? I, I wouldn't have expected it. However, I think Jimmy has done a wonderful job of taking an iconic institution. Now in its 61st year, he's taken this institution and he's reinvented it for today's millennials. And they love it. They love when he, he gets out there 
and does the lip sync, uh, lip sync contest with his guests and, and other stick. And when he gets out and he dances with his guests and sings with his guests and performs with his guests, I think, um, I think he's, uh, he's figured out how to make the show uh, relevant to today's millennium. Colbert, a surprise to take over for Letterman in your mind? Yes. However, uh, and uh, I had some major reservations about Colbert. Colbert, number one, it seemed to me that he had invested so much in playing this character that's sort of roughly based on Bill O'Reilly. But I felt that uh, it would be difficult for him to actually discover who Colbert was. Yeah. But now he's had uh, he's had three shows that he's done. And I have to say, I'm very impressed with what he is now bringing to the table in late night. He is very, very good as an interviewer. He had Joe Biden on last night. And it was a very, very touching and moving interview. I, I, I was very, very impressed. And he's doing something in late night that his competitors aren't, uh, including Fallon and Kimmel. He is able to interview people and and actually pull it off, make it interesting, make it entertaining. I think Fallon is kind of weak as an interviewer. Yeah, well, it's not a strong part. He's an entertainer more than he's an interviewer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Colbert is is as good as anybody that at least uh, that I've seen from the early early going here. Now, you, you mentioned Bill O'Reilly. That's someone else you had worked with. Is that is that correct? That is true. I worked uh, for a while for him after I left the Tonight Show as a producer on his show. And um, he, Bill has been very kind to me. Um, he was the one who gave me the idea to write the book. Yeah, how did he like the book? Did he like your approach? He liked it. Uh, he liked it so much that he um, he has a little segment on his show uh, called Tip of the Day. And my book was the tip of the day, that, that uh, people should read the book. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, you're surrounded by uh, by folks that are <laughs> that are doing so much. I mean, Bill O'Reilly, I, I don't know what the current numbers are, but I mean, at, at one point, two million people were watching him at eight o'clock and a million people were watching him at his whatever, 11 o'clock spot, whatever it was, 10 o'clock spot. Uh, or eleven o'clock. Just an amazing amount of numbers. Uh, what do you what, what do you chalk up to uh, to Bill O'Reilly's success? I think it's that um, he was uh, addressing concerns of people that they weren't getting from mainstream media. He always says would always say he was an independent, but he has really taken more of a conservative approach. And I feel like he was dealing with issues, conservative issues, that you wouldn't see on the mainstream network newscast. He was addressing a need. In many ways, he changed a lot of, of how... I, I think he even... Uh, I don't think it's Fox that steered him, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think a lot of Fox... Uh, 
was steered off of the success of Bill O'Reilly. But you you tell me again, I'm an outsider looking in. Uh, what's your thought on that? I couldn't agree with you more. He, he for, for a long time, was essentially the face of the Fox News network. And to a large extent, he still is. Yeah, I mean, what does, let's say, a Republican coming into office uh, or a conservative, uh, you know, I guess would be worse for uh, for, for O'Reilly because you don't get, have that angry conservative base that's looking for an outlet when when you have a President Obama there for you know for eight years for for two terms, uh, you know you you have an energized base to your audience there, and and the same goes for uh, for you know guys like Rush Limbaugh and and Sean Hannity and you know folks like that. But what would a Republican in your mind, in the White House due to uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly's numbers? Oh, I see what you mean. I think that uh, Bill O'Reilly, and since you mentioned Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity, both of whom have also been supportive of me, I think they do just as well with either a Democrat or a Republican in office, because their issue is that liberals have taken over. I'm not saying I agree entirely with their point of view, their point of view is that liberals have taken over our society. They've taken over the institutions of higher education. You, you, if you're a conservative, you're probably not going to be speaking on a campus, unless it's a, a conservative Christian college, private college. Um, that they've taken over the, uh, the um, educational systems. They've taken over the government bureaucracy. Uh, they've taken over all of the uh, major institutions in our society, from the AMA to the nurses to everything else. So they have plenty of things to harp on, to, uh, to talk about. Frank McKay here with author Dave Berg. He is the author of Behind the Curtain, which is about his years as a co-producer, 18 years as co-producer to the, the great Jay Leno Tonight Show. And, you know, I... I we would need a part two or part three or part four to even touch on all the guests and, and all the different stories that, that you have on there. But it's much easier to buy the book. So everyone, I encourage everyone to buy the book behind the curtain uh, by Dave Berg. And uh, please, you'll, I'm sure you will enjoy it. And we're talking a little bit about, uh, about everything here. Now I mentioned Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh. I, Remember, and again, I wasn't in the business at that. I had nothing to do with broadcasting, but from the outside, I I remember the. And you can tell us better than I can. CNBC's bureau chief in 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 uh, L.A. that it was really when the Clintons took the White House. And again, I'm not passing judgment. I'm not giving opinions either way, right? But in in '92, when the when Clinton was elected in '93, uh, uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were in the White House, and Really, when in in my mind, when the uh, when the um, healthcare issue uh, became, where Hillary became the point person on that, that's when I started seeing the rise of the the Hannitys and the the O'Reillys and and Rush Limbaugh. I, now, from your standpoint, as an uh, as an insider, seeing it from CNBC bureau chief, and I don't know if you were even there at that point, but just being so tuned into the news, is, is that the, the the turning point, so to speak? for conservative talk radio? I think uh, you're absolutely right. The only thing that I would add to what you said is that the guy that was really, really out front in that movement 
uh, you know, that led the way for Hannity and O'Reilly and other conservative talk show hosts was Rush Limbaugh. He was the one that was hammering um, uh, Clinton from the beginning and hammering uh, Hillary and her health care proposals. So I have to give kudos to uh, Rush Limbaugh. And I remember when I suggested uh, early on that we should book Rush Limbaugh, I got a huge, huge response from my colleagues and Jay that, are you crazy? Are you kidding? What are you talking about? That guy's a racist, he's this, he's that. And I said, well, just do me a favor, you know, listen to the show and tell me what he says that's racist. And uh, it took me a couple of years, but I was able to book Rush Limbaugh. And and what I would say to my colleagues is, you know what? Maybe you don't like Rush Limbaugh, but guess what? He's got 20 million listeners a week. Now, how many times did Leno interview Limbaugh? Uh, we had him on twice uh, over the years. There was kind of a falling out after the first time we had him on, but he eventually came back. Now, that first interview, what was it like? Was it tense? Was uh, Did Jay feel uh, compelled to have to, uh, you know, hit him hard, you know, to uh, to please his base? It's a much different base than what Limbaugh had. And I, it was, what was the interview like? Actually, it went very well. Jay's feeling is that once, we invited a guest to come on the show. He treated the guest like a guest in his home. He would go in the dressing room, and especially with people from the political world or commentators, he would go in the dressing room and, and hang out with them, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and just talk about the business and life and things like that. So it, it actually went quite well, and Roger Ailes was there as well. It was, I was able to get Rush Limbaugh by going through Roger. Now, what did the audience, how did the audience respond to, to Limbaugh when he was uh, announced? Was it a polite, uh, you know, cheering? Was he, did he have a, a base there? I imagine that people don't know. Oh, actually, he probably, he probably was talking it up on his show. So he probably had some. He was, you got it. He was talking it up on his show. So that attracted a lot of his fans to show up at the show. And the audience for The Tonight Show was pretty much mainstream America. A lot of them were tourists coming from all over the country. They went crazy because, you know, Rush Limbaugh had never, ever, a guest like that had never appeared in late night before, ever. Yeah, I mean, that's a significant get, you know, in my mind, putting those two together, and especially when you had resistance. How how long did the resistance last when you first suggested Rush Limbaugh, was it a was it a couple of hours? Was it a conversation? Was it a couple of days, weeks? What was the resistance? It, it, it took about a year to convince my colleagues. Wow! Um, and then I, I I'll never forget uh, the executive producer who I mentioned earlier, Debbie Vickers. She came in one day and she said, "You know, I was at my dentist's office and he was just raving about what a great guy Rush Limbaugh is." She said, "You know, maybe you're right about that guy." Switching gears for a second, who else stands out to you as, as being a significant, in your mind, you know, 18 years, you look back and you see, you know, interviews like Rush Limbaugh, which I, I get, and I think the listeners, by the way, the, the show following us on, on at least a, a few stations is Sean Hannity, right? So I, a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, even though we, we do more entertainment and then we do politics, but about a lot of our listeners uh, might be tuning in early. So they, they hear Limbaugh and they, uh, you know, they get it. 
And I think it's significant that you got that and you realize that that would be a significant interview. Leno interviewing Limbaugh, but who else stands out? And I don't even mean political, just, you know, off the top yet, who stands out? Um, well, uh, I, I would say the guy that stands out the most of all the guests I booked, and that includes Barack Obama as the first sitting president ever to appear on a late night show. But the one that stands out the most as my favorite guest and Jay Leno's favorite guest is John F. Kennedy Jr. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's a big get. But that's you know, it, it just seems to me like you know, that he would eventually be on. And, you know, I know it's a, it, it's a heavy get, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. What, what stood out to you? Oh, and before you answer that, I'll remind people that just may be tuning in once again, that we have a few minutes left with Dave Berg, who's a wonderful writer, get his book behind the curtain. It's about his experience with 18 years, what well, with Jay Leno for 18 years. And he's done so much more than that. Uh, author, co-producer, he's worked with uh, Bill O'Reilly. He's worked with, uh, uh, CNBC and you know certainly uh, we need to do a whole other interview on that but tell us about the JFK Jr. interview well I think he appealed to uh, Jay and me as well simply because he represented something at the time that we didn't have and I don't think we have today he represented American royalty yeah um, I, I, that, I don't know how else to put it he was a, a handsome guy uh, everybody loved him. We all knew the tragedy of his of his father, President Kennedy, who had been assassinated. Um, and and he was. Uh, what really struck me is how humble he was. It actually took me six years to get him booked because he didn't think he was good enough to appear on the Tonight Show. Well, that's that's interesting. You always think of him as having. I mean, how could he not have a huge ego? But uh, that's interesting. I know. Tremendous. Now, what about guests that? You know, and I asked Paul Block, who who used to book the Tonight Show for seven and a half years, and and I asked him about uh, you know different people. Johnny Carson just refused to deal with. Is there anyone that Jay Leno or anyone that you could share with us that Jay Leno just absolutely would not have on the show under no circumstances? Well, um, there were there were quite a few. You know, uh, sometimes it took me longer to convince Jay and 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 my colleagues. Uh, to, to get somebody, it would take me years, and um, and sometimes I just didn't succeed. But one guy I, I always wanted to have on, I thought he was a fascinating guy, is uh, is um, Don King. I don't know if that name means anybody sure. means anything to people in in your audience, but he was huge in the in the age of heavyweight boxing, great promoter. But uh, but you know, Jay always felt he was a little bit of a shady character. Well, that's that's probably putting it lightly, but I, that's, that's, that's interesting that he wouldn't want that interview. I would think that that would be a great interview. And if he thought he was a shady character, he could kind of kind of dive into some, some of the uh, questions. I mean, he went to jail for manslaughter, if I remember correctly, Don. Don that's King. correct. Yes. Yeah, and he, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. And, and he's, you know. You know, along with Mike Tyson's help, uh, you know, he uh, helped bury Mike Tyson along with a bunch of people. That that would have been a fascinating interview, but that never happened. Well, Jay's feeling about guests on the Tonight Show is that he believed that uh, you, that uh, getting a booking on the Tonight Show should be earned through merit. Oh wow! 
right? Therefore, he he wouldn't be he didn't want to he didn't want to book uh, any of the uh, attorneys who defended uh, O.J. Simpson. Wow, be- because he thought this, Simpson was 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 guilty of sin, and uh, he thought they were all self promoters. So he felt that being on the Tonight Show should be the result of merit, not not. Uh, not uh, notoriety. Well, that, that's that's honorable. You got to say that, and I've always heard that about Jay Leno. I can't believe that we're out of time. An hour flew by pretty damn quick. Uh, author Dave Berg has been our very special guest. Uh, hopefully, Dave can come back for a part two, part three, part four, as much he'd, as he'd give me. Behind the curtain is the name of the book. This is Frank McKay. Dave, what can you leave us with, and give us your Twitter handle again? Well, uh, what I can leave you with is a big thank you for honoring me by, by having me on. It was it was really an honor to, and it was a wonderful interview. And my Twitter handle is uh, at Tonight Show Dave. Well, listen, it's it's an honor talking to a guy that has your resume and your background. It's amazing. Congratulations on on what is a continually great career, and I hope I hope there'll be a, a, another book and and many others after it. Dave Berg, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Frank. Dave Berg, author of Behind the Curtain, the story of his 18 years with Jay Leno from The Tonight Show. This is Frank McKay. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.